Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. And this was the exact conversation that I was having with my guest, Preston Gitlin, over drinks, right? We were in um, WeHo, West Hollywood. And you were telling me, now, for those of you who don't know Preston, he's a fabulous New York City stand-up comic, maybe soon to be an L.A. stand-up comic. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. He's a comedy writer. You might know him as a former CEO of the comedy writing service called ComedyWire.com. So we were talking, and he drops that he has his own hedge fund. That's right, yes. A comic with a hedge fund. Right. It's, it's, it sounds like... It sounds I want to like, give a comic some, a million dollars. Right. It, it sounds like an oxymoron. It really does. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I found I found a balance, though, because I, I won't do any investments after 12 p.m. Eastern. So I turn that part of my brain off, and I just focus on comedy for the rest of the day. But, okay, so you, you turned it off, but when we talked, you were miserable, right? You were telling me how miserable it got. It, it, yeah, it was miserable when I was doing it full-time. So I, after, uh, after I left Comedy Wire, um, I took a year... And just focused on running a hedge fund, and it was it was incredibly miserable. Even on the days no, I was making, no, you're making a lot of money. Yeah, making money, but it was it didn't matter because I'd make all this money, and then I'd say, well, what did I just do with myself? What did I create? And the answer was nothing. Well, it's interesting because a lot of the people listening to this um, need money, right? Need money, and they're creative people. A lot of the people I talk to who are comics or writers or speakers feel like they're a failure because they aren't making money, but they're out there working material, you know, working on their acts, being creative, but there's something eating away at them because they're not making money. And you were, things were eating away at you because you... Yeah. It, it's tell both, me, tell both, me what happened. Both tell, those tell things me. can happen. So, you know, if you have a, if you've got the creative itch or you're a creative person, if you're, especially if you like comedy, you know, you can't live without. It's impossible. And I and I know that firsthand. I mean, living in Miami and just just working on a hedge fund was depressing because, you know, my soul was was empty. Right. Um, if you're pursuing comedy and it's not paying the bills, you know, that's a different issue. Right. You do have to make a living. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, figure out how to turn comedy into a business. Right. So. So, you know, I started Comedy Wire. Uh, four years ago, and I, you know, I, I came up with an idea to sort of crowdsource comedians, and it, it became a business. And I was sort of able to be in comedy uh, and and pay the bills that way. And that opened a lot of doors, and it still opens doors for me now. You know, even creative doors. You know, now I have a, a huge network of of comedians that I can always call. That's how we met, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Um, you know, I, I, what I would say to people who, you know, want to pursue comedy, but they're frustrated, they're not making money is, is think outside the box. Are there, are there, what are other ways that I can, you know, be comedic or, or sort of, you know, make a living comedically? It doesn't, it's not, doesn't necessarily have to mean I have to be, you know, the next big stand-up comic and have to tour in order to make, you know, to pay the bills. I mean, you're an example of someone who is a successful comedian who became a successful public speaker, who is a successful author. I mean, you found a million different ways to, to, to basically have a successful business. Yeah, I, I always felt like when a door closed, 
when I was working, um, I was doing like 46 weeks out of the year doing stand-up. And um, there was this guy, Neil, who hated me. And he was managing. And he, every club I went to, he called the manager and said, if you book Judy Carter, you cannot have any of my clients. Mm. And so I started lo- losing gigs, right? But looking back, uh, that was a blessing because working clubs was getting to me. I wasn't having any relationships. I was always gone. I was miserable. I was lonely. And um, sometimes when you have nothing, that's when doors open. And that's when I went home and I went, what do I do? Right. I don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't work the clubs anymore. The, you know, this guy's on my ass. I don't really want to. And um, that's when I just rented an office and pretended to go to work every day until I (laughs) figured out, oh, maybe I'll just write something. And then that led to so many other things. So, Oh, I, you're right. A lot of people have a notion, the idea that doing stand-up, like the network comedy special, Netflix comedy special, the HBO comedy special, that's, that's it. That's yeah, the be-all and, I, and, and end-all, think, and it and isn't, I, and right? No, it isn't. And I think in life in general, you, you don't want to focus on the outcome. You want to focus on the effort, right? So What do you mean? Well, like if, you don't want to be invested in the outcome. You want to invest in your effort. So your only goal should be, I want to be great at comedy. I want to work at comedy. You know, you, you do that, and a lot of those doors are going to open. Um, your your doors will open. You'll know which path to take. If you're feeling empty and you're feeling sad and you're feeling down, then there's something that needs to change, right? Your back's against the wall. So that's a sign that you've got to make some changes. Um, that, that's not a sign that says you shouldn't be pursuing comedy, right? Like, right. you would never receive that sign. Um, there's always a way to do it. There's always a way to get better at it. Um, even if you're doing it, uh, you know, even if you're doing it on the side uh, because you have a family and you have to pay your bills, there's, there's always a way to pursue it and get better at it. Um, and the better that you get at it, the more likely that you're going to be able to make a living at it. What you know, you said something about your soul, okay. right? So right. that goes to purpose, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. The power of purpose and your soul, because a lot of people, when I was teaching stand up, would say, "Should I do this?" And I always said, "No." <laughs> Because I went, if you have to ask another person's opinion, if you should be doing this, then you shouldn't be doing it. Because when it's something that you do, you just... Yeah, you have no choice. You have no choice, yeah, you're, right? You're like, I don't want to be on this planet if I'm not doing it's this like thing. Ask, yeah, yeah right. it's like asking someone, should I be gay? Right. Right? you are you are i don't even know how to answer that question for somebody (laughs) all right well we'll we'll let that go but but as far as comedy goes right if you are that person yeah and you're funny and everybody says oh you're so funny you should you you should be a comedian and and you wake up thinking of jokes and so tell me about like this time when you felt like you lost your soul i want to hear i like hearing about bottoms no this was a bottom i mean because I realized it didn't matter how much you, you can't replace it with enough of something else. Right. I mean, having a hedge fund and, and doing well in the markets and making money, it was like, like I said, even on my best days, I would go, okay, so what? I can buy more stuff. I don't even like stuff. You don't like, stuff? I don't like stuff. I realized Alexa, you don't like Alexa. I, I don't even, I, she and I aren't even talking. I'm going to be honest with you right okay. now. Yeah. We're okay. not on talking terms. Uh, I, I, I was I was down there. I had a really nice place. I, I bought a new car. I bought some nice furniture and things. And 
it was so empty. I was bored. I missed the New York comedy scene so badly, you know. Um, and I've, and I just packed all my stuff up and put it in storage, you know. And I said, that's it. I'm not doing that ever again. Like the thing that I value the most is time. Okay, so if you can, you know, so I, I, there's a value to making money because then you can afford time. But I realized that any dollar I could be spending on some material thing was a dollar I could be putting towards the the craft. You know, I could pay someone to help help develop you know me into a better writer into a better comic i could put it into producing a show a live show um so that's where all of my extra money and time is going to go right Mm -hmm. but i needed to experience that i needed to see the other side um i needed to see that alternative and live through that to realize that wasn't for me and then there was no choice you know it was like an easy it was an easy decision so Preston, did your family support you when you went, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to be a stand-up comic? <laughs> well, uh, gosh, um, my mom did, yeah. But uh, on my dad's side, I remember I was, I was 19 years old, and on, for dumb luck, I, I had a chance to open up for Dane Cook at my school. Um, and, and this is when he was just blowing up, and it was... You know, there's 500 people there, and that's when I first got the the real itch because you know, making an audience of 500 people laugh at 19 years old, it was it was euphoria, and I was so excited, and I, I went home for Thanksgiving. Wait, so you were opening for Dane? No, not not opening. I did it one time because he happened to come to my school, and you know, his manager and Dane were nice enough to let me do 10 minutes. And how'd it go? It went amazing, but but because I was doing jokes about the school. Right. Like it was false. It was a What's false up sense with of, cafeteria? Right. Food. Right. Exactly. That okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So I but the, the I mean, it was it was absolute euphoria. It was, oh, my gosh, I want to do this. Right. I was so excited. And then I went home for Thanksgiving on my dad's side of the family and I walk in the door and everyone is sitting down in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a circle and I, they're just looking at me, and I, I said, "What is it? What happened?" And they're like, "It was it was like a drug intervention." <laughs> they, they said, "We we heard that you were doing comedy, and we just wanted to hear from you that this was you know this was basically a habit that you're going to break. That this is not going to last forever, <laughs> right?" And I'm, I was, I'm like, "What did I? What? <laughs> like, did I, what? Did I do something wrong?" <laughs> and they said, "We just want to make sure that you're not." thinking about doing this seriously i'm like well of course not it's comedy right why would i why would i do anything (laughs) seriously seriously? that's just but they said yeah well you know you're still going to go to law school you're still i mean they had all these dreams for me they had my life planned you know for me and i and i i was you know at the time i mean i was a kid but it was i was uh i was like this is this is something's wrong about this right i know their hearts were in the right place but i knew that um I had to go find people that understood me, right? And that's what I did, ultimately. Yeah, and and that's the whole thing. That's the whole journey to finding your purpose is very often your purpose is not what your parents want for you. Yeah, and it's not because they don't be mad at them. You know, I, I was when I was younger. Um, they're looking out for you. They love you. They want to protect you. They they just don't know what it's like to wake up and, and have that, you know, strong strong desire to to go do that i mean you you can't shut it off they don't have it so they don't they can't understand it you know but you wake up and you go i have to do comedy like you don't have a choice we've talked about that right yeah and and that burning desire if you got it you know what it is because when you're not doing it you feel i feel horrible yeah there's something missing in my life 
and and it, it interferes with my life because I have this sense that I'm not living up to the purpose of my life. And I'll be walking on the beach and there'll be all these pigeons and I turn and do a set. Because, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Where are you going? Um, because if yeah. I'm not doing it, I'm miserable. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you regret the things you, that you don't do, not the things that you do. So here you go. You create, you know, um, this uh, comedywire.com where um, it's a business around mm -hmm. comedy where people submit ideas and you have on the internet a group of writers punch it up. Right. And I know you were participating in that, so mm -hmm. that was fun for you, but it still wasn't the live performance standing on a yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, you know, when you're running, when I was running that business, and, and just, you know, to give your listeners a little background, um, you know, it was, it was it was connecting comedians with, you know, clients who needed content to be funnier. So if you have a, a public speech, you, you need to punch that up. If you're, you know, working on a script, you can make the script funnier using this service. Um, but it was always in my interest to help those comedians, you know, get those gigs. Um, uh, we we were uh, partnered with Gotham Comedy Club, so we helped comics get stage time and, and even on television. And so, you know, my priority was to help those comedians. So I didn't I didn't use you know that role to sort of develop my comedy um, as much. I felt like that was a conflict of interest. So it was wonderful to be in the environment and and to network. Um, but there was still like that itch, like, gosh, I really want to do more of the actual comedy. Um, and then you'd think, you know, having those thoughts, the last thing I would do is go in the opposite direction and go work at, you know, go do a hedge fund full time, you know, like, like somehow that would help. Right. And so that just, well, got, it, it just it, made I, it work. A lot of people do that. You know, when I have X amount of money, that's when I'm going to really do this. Yeah. When I feel more secure, right. that's. I mean, what do you think about delaying what your purpose is? You can't do it ever. Ever? No. I mean, even Is there with, anything practical? Like, no, I've got to really be practical. I've got a family. I've got to... Well, you, you can you can have a family and you can have a job. I and mean, there's, there's nothing stopping you from doing comedy, you know. I mean, you can always write and you can always go get on stage. You have to live in a place where you can, you know, get stage time, right? Um, but I did. I In my head, I thought... Well, if I if I make this fun, super successful, that'll be enough. You know, that'll be enough fulfillment. I don't know why I had that thought. I don't know where it came from. I I, have, I honestly have no idea. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I went down that path, and, and and no, it doesn't work. Well, was your fund successful? Yeah, the fund the fund did very well. In fact, um, you know, it 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 outperformed. I would say most most funds. Um, and and I've always. It's not really a, a hedge fund in the sense of of the of like, you know, asset management or like you know making long term investments. I, I was a I was a trader. I was, I was like a day trader practically, where mm -hmm. I would buy things and sell things short term. And I it was just developed a skill over many years of doing it. Um, it was always something I did on the side. It was fun. You know, I made supplemental income doing it. And so I just set up a fund so that I could, you know, do that for myself as well as other investors and friends and family and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I didn't. I have. I'm not overdoing that. I still trade. I just trade fewer hours of the day, um, and and I found my balance that way. So the first way I found my balance was taking the art that I love, which is comedy, and turning that into a business. And then this way, I've I've sort of created limits, time limits, in which I'm going to do, you know, the the thing that 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 gives me, you know, a more of a guarantee of making money. It's never a full guarantee, obviously, but 
um, by, by putting a cutoff and saying, you know, I have a profit target or 12 o'clock Eastern. And after that, I won't trade because um, it's it's at that point I'm going to become miserable. And honestly, I'm doing better now with those new rules in place. So you you have to what I get out of this is that you have to put a balance. It's not. Yeah, I find that pe- people do that, especially creative people do this. It's all or nothing. I have to make enough money and then I can do comedy full time. Well, you can't do anything really full time. You really have to balance things out. You're not going to like, whoa, it's I'm getting up at 9 a.m. and I'm writing jokes until 5 p.m. And yeah. then I'm going to have some dinner. Then I'm going to go out all night and perform. Comedy. No, <laughs> I mean, you got to live. Time, because right? That's where the comedy comes from, too. Right. Right. Um, you got to live. And, and, and this was my balance. And I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting everyone, you know, find a way to work till 12 and then, you know, do comedy. I mean, I had to find mine and it took many years, you know, of trial and error. Um, in fact, I mean, I don't want to go through the whole story, but when I was very young, when I was 19, I had, you know, some limited success at stand up and I had one bad show where I bombed so badly that uh, the, there was no laughter in the crowd. There was just there was just someone saying to my girlfriend, uh, your boyfriend's not funny. Right. That was that was the only thing I heard in the whole anyone heard. Right. It was like the worst bombing experience ever. And I was so terrified of comedy after that. So I just went and did business for like many years and, and just thought there's no way I'm going to ever be good at this. You know, I didn't know about the process. I, you know, this was this was uh, 15 years ago. So I, I didn't know that you had to get up every night and, and fail and tweak and change. And I didn't know those things. I just thought if you didn't get up, you know, the first couple of times and, and weren't ready for Madison Square Garden, then you just shouldn't pursue comedy. I know. And even uh, I've been doing it for so long, but you know, when you try new material, you're still back at that place. Right. I don't. I don't feel that's gotten better for me. I mean, uh, as far as that feeling of, let's say I'm doing well. That went well. That went well. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. And then you get off stage, and all I feel is the dying thing. <laughs> you know, and and then it's 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 so painful. And then, you know, I had a so funny. I had a dream about this, maybe because I knew you were coming over. Um, but I had a dream because I'm writing a book now on, on stand-up, and I'm going, what are you writing books about stand-up? Get up and friggin' do it again. Get up and friggin' do it again. And after even all these years, there's that that fear. And when we got together and talked in that restaurant, you kind of motivated me. And oh. now I'm dreaming about it because I'm going like, oh, I'll do it after I do this. I'll right. do it after I do that. Well, I really don't have enough time to put to it. Oh, I'm older now. I'm not an up and coming young comedian. Mm. I've been up and young. She's been up and coming young comedian for 50 years now. Uh, you know, it's like, it's those excuses. Yeah, and that... I yeah, and I do them, and and it's so much easier to give advice than to follow it, especially with comedy. And, oh yeah, you know, failing at comedy is is the scariest thing for me, and and I don't mean in, in any given night. I just mean if I were to work at it, you know, for years and years, and be bad at it after that, that would be devastating to me. I, I would rather fail at a business. You know, that doesn't scare me. I can jump in, take risk, make bets. You know, I've, I've been on the brink of running out of money many times in my career as an entrepreneur. Um, and that was never as scary to me as, as being a loser at comedy. That's that is horrifying. Um, with that said, uh, I'm not married to any individual idea or joke because I know that it's a critical process of, of creating something. So 
I don't I don't mind if a joke fails if I learned not to use it again or if or if I need to tweak it because I you, you treat comedy like a business like when you have a startup you it's not the first idea that ever works you know you, you have a you have a an inkling of an idea a light bulb moment and then you have to test and you have to run experiments it's no different than stand up I love you know I I love that you come to stand up as an entrepreneur because many people do not understand show business, certainly the business side. They just know the show side. And then, right. well, again, agent or manager to help me with everything else. And now it's such a DIY mm. kind of, of business. I want to know more about this one-way ticket to L.A. Yeah, and, no, I mean, that's the And way then to you live. call me, yeah, I'm having <laughs> meetings. I'm going meeting at the comedy store at Polly Shore, and I'm meeting here, and I'm meeting there, and this person. Tell me about, like... How do you blast into L.A. on a one-way ticket? You got some Airbnb until uh, tomorrow night. Until tomorrow, yeah, that's, that's correct. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm going to be extending that after this uh, podcast. Uh, oh, this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I made up my mind that I'm going to stay longer. I made I made that decision about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear, first of all, two things. I want to hear about your networking and what you're doing in L.A., um, to network how do you get meetings with people what are these meetings all about and what do you what do you plan on doing being you know uh, uh, i hate to say the word another but another new york comic out here in la mm -hmm. so tell me about this whole process well I mean, gosh i mean there's a few things there right uh, you'd be surprised what people will do when you ask okay I, I think that's very similar even with dating right i think it's like well you have to ask and, and enough people will want to spend time with you Right. That's number one. Two, um, because I've got this business experience, this business background, uh, I can bring something to the table in the comedy world that a lot of comics, you know, can't. So I can I can offer a lot of help and guidance and ideas. And, and so my business background has has helped tremendously now in networking in the comedy in the comedy. Can you give scene. me some specifics on that? Or? Yeah, like um, uh you know, for, uh, well, people well, people know about the website. Um, you know, they know that I've had success in other businesses. And, you know, so so people oftentimes want to sort of let me hear their ideas out. Say, I'm working on something and I don't know what I should do next. Right. So I'll, I'll give advice like, well, run a lean experiment. You know, don't take all your money and, and go make a thing and find out no one likes it. Like, what's the cheapest, leanest, quickest way you can discover if you have a good idea? That's the that's the startup approach mm -hmm. to a business, and that's the way it should be done with comedy. Like you don't want to treat it like a casino where you where you just throw everything into some brain fire that you have because that's reckless, right? That's crazy stuff. And um, we've all done. We've that. all done it. I've done it, right? Yeah. I, and that's how we've I learned all... those lessons. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, you know, I try to give I try to give advice like that, and I already through through having that other business, I, I have already built up a network in comedy and. I've always done whatever I could to connect people with other people, you know, uh, because it's the right thing to do, you know. So I, I enjoy that part of it. And I think that people remembered that about me. And so, well, you know, now that I'm reaching out, they go, hey, you know, I remember when you connected with me with so-and-so. And so now I'm going to connect you with so-and-so. And so that's karma and and um, paying it forward. And, and that is, you should be doing that anyway. That, that is so true. When I was first writing the comedy Bible, um... I had a lot of, I want to interview a lot of people mm -hmm. and a lot of people said no. And I called the letterman and the head writer, Gabe Abelson at the time said, sure, come on up. 
we'll have lunch. And, and he was so friggin' nice. Yeah, I love Gabe. And I have to say, like, whatever Gabe wants, he says, hey, can I do a webinar? Yes. Can yeah. I do this? Yes. So there's something in that because a lot of people you know ask and ask and ask and ask and and they're an endless sucky hole right and the I, sucking sound is what my, my how my dad used to describe it the sucking sound yeah yeah <laughs> i just love people who can and i think this is true even romantic relationships is um anticipating someone else's need like seeing them mm. and what they're doing and is there any way you can help them right i i remember danny robinson he's a agent apa and i interviewed him and he said it's just shocking how i'll be carrying all this stuff and a cop will come over and hand me here's my dvd can you watch and like i have no hands <laughs> i mean they don't even like, you know i mean it's the person who says i would yeah. just be afraid of anyone with a DVD, I think that's very strange. I, I don't. Need, uh, do you have a DVD player? Um, I I actually do. That's a, I I can't. You I have thought to have DVD. Were... They're for the screeners. Oh, is that a thing? We're in LA now. Oh, okay. So the I'm LA. learning. I'm learning the lingo. I didn't realize that DVD was like a was a West Coast word. I thought that it's a, was. It's a West Coast. I thought Coast. that was something you saw in a museum. No, <laughs> you have all the Academy screeners, oh, so yes. you have to watch all the okay. movies. They don't. On they can't something. do that digitally with a password and a. I think that's called piracy. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, I think that's piracy. See, I'm learning something today. <laughs> yes. The DVD. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to use chopsticks. I don't know for what dinner it stands tonight, for. Just, just for the sport of this. Digital video disc. Yes. That must be yeah, it. Yeah, it's got to be it. Dumb. I don't know. I was trying to do something funny. You're trying to make just, a, uh, I was trying to write a joke and I bombed in the middle of it. So well, it's anyway. live. It's live. Uh, the nerves, you know, we're here. We'll have our, our listeners... Um, Put in the comments what a funny, funny what DVD <laughs> should stand for. Okay, that's your assignment, comedy writers. You want to write comedy? Write for us. We need help. <laughs> so, okay, so this one way ticket. Yeah, no, I'll, look, um, I don't, it's, it's, it's so funny because so many decisions I've made, for example, when I was at a, when I was just out of college, I moved to Costa Rica and I started a business there, which seemed so crazy, you know, and I raised money and um, it was a great, adventure and you know most people were like wow that's so risky and i was like no no ri like risk is uh risk is doing something because you're afraid of doing what you want to do that's risky to me you know ri risk is like spending your life you know just for survival's sake that seemed so much riskier to me than, than anything like that so I've always taken those kind of moves, you know, and what's the big deal? I take a one-way ticket here. Um, what's the worst case that I, I, I fly back at some other date? It really is no big deal. Um, I, I wanted to come here with an open mind and I didn't want to set, a, I didn't want to set a time limit because, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted this to feel organic and like let it run its course. If I fall in love with this town and, and it makes sense to be here, then I'll, then I'll be here. You know, if, no wait, you have fallen in love? Or no, are you if, still if I fall, I'm dating. Yeah, I don't, You're I don't fall in LA. love that quickly. I'm dating LA. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, I would never fall in love that quickly. That's that's that's. Uh, so so, what's your next step? Being in LA, a New York comic here, are you going to get spots at clubs? Are well, you I'm gonna going yeah, to I'm gonna do I'm gonna go do some mics and and uh, you know hopefully do some shows and and just feel it out. Um, I'm gonna take more meetings and and do some more networking and. And just kind of compare the two vibes, um, and, and make my decision. And, and I think now, uh, when you take a meeting, mm -hmm. what what's the purpose of the meeting? Like, I know I would take a meeting. Uh, okay, I got an idea for a pilot. Mm -hmm. I want to pitch it. 
Is that what you're doing? Do you have? Well, what I'll do, what I'll do is I'll say, look, this is what I'm working on. Um, this is my background. This is what I can bring to the table. Here's my skill set. You know, what are you working on? And then I'll listen to their what they're doing, and I'll think of other pieces that I can fill. And sometimes there's not, and sometimes you just make a new friend, you know, and that's fine too. So, no, I, I'm just I'm just networking and 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 hearing what everybody's up to and and seeing if there are gaps that I can fill, either myself or with other people that I know. That's it. So, all right. So, for our listeners, to sum up here, mm-hmm. um, don't wait. I'm just going to try and find the takeaways here that I remember. Okay. <laughs> don't wait uh, to fulfill your soul. Don't wait to do your purpose. If you know what's making you miserable, stop it and start doing something that is feeding your soul, whether that be comedy or writing and all the excuses you have it's bs you know one of my um um students are uh, uh vicky barbalock she well, came in fifth in america's got talent that's pretty amazing she's pretty amazing older woman uh she's you know not the skinniest person in the world but she went on tv in a bathing suit she people loved her i just was in vegas and coming into town big billboard for where she was playing and i went you know uh she stayed with it she was just doing her own shows you know finding i think a house housewives who do comedy finding her own niche and all of us, you know, got in the show, and bam, of course, the, another overnight success that took you right, know, that, that took forever, seven, right. eight years. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think uh, it's a mindset thing too. It's don't think, well, I'm not even going to start if I'm not al- already at the top. I mean, what what kind of thinking is that? In what profession do you just 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 show up and you're there? I mean, yeah. it's it's there's no with comedy. There's no excuse not to write or get on stage. I mean, even if you have a full time job. Yeah. You know, just get good at it. That's it. That's your first step. You don't have to feel depressed that you also have this other job if you've got to pay your bills. Um, but if you if you're not even doing anything because you can't have it all, I mean that's you know, that's on you. You you really have to change that that, that mentality. And and the other takeaway I, I get from you is to find like minded people yeah. and call them up. Yeah. Uh, take them out. Yeah. Right. Take them out. Buy them a drink. Yeah. Have and the, a and chat. the like-mindedness—that's really important because that's another big thing. Most people will t- dissuade you from pursuing comedy. They'll just—they'll tell you that that's you know why would you do it? It's there's no money in it. There's this. There's that. You gotta you know be surrounded by people who believe in comedy and who are in comedy and who are doing comedy because your own friends and family are gonna probably try to dissuade you. I know mine has. So <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta. You, you, got, you just have to make your circle. Don't try to, don't try to convince other people who have their own way of thinking to see it your way. Go find the people who see it your way and go make them your family and and you know help each other grow. I love that. Find your your tribe. Find, find your, tribe. your family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know because you can be around people who are so toxic. Oh, that's funny. You think that's funny? Right. That's not funny. You know, yeah. um, what happened? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Oh, you know, but but you got to find people who you feel good. And that's why I felt so good when we went out afterwards. We, it, <laughs> it was you fun. Know, yeah. It was we fun. It was time. just like we had known each other for such a long time. 
I was so grateful you called me up. And now you're giving me the courage to call other people up and say, hey, come on over, sit on my couch, do my podcast with me. Yeah, and let's I would, talk about I'd start purpose. With the, I'd start with the podcast, uh, you know, calling someone up and say, hey, come over and sit on my couch. I would I would start with the podcast and then mention <laughs> that there's a couch. You know? <laughs> Especially if you haven't talked to them in a while. If that's the first thing they hear. Hi, it's Judy, and I, I would like you to sit on my couch. That's a okay. That's a little, just some a little advice, but, you know. But you know what I... I love what, you know, from getting together with you is is the ultimate takeaway is do something. Yeah, do something. Take some kind of action. Because so many of us talk ourselves out of taking action uh, before, and, and then we just don't do anything. I, I learned this from my therapist recently, too. And this is, this is why a, a lot of people pursue comedy and then they quit. They have one bad experience, and it happened to me, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a perfect example of this. But it's actually a, it's sort of a cognitive mistake that your brain makes sometimes. You can have a bad experience, and then you start to project out that that's the reality, and that's your future. So, so you go, oh, I just remembered. It's also called recency bias. So basically, you go, oh, I just had this bad experience. I went up, and no one liked my jokes. Therefore, for the rest of my life, no one's going to like my jokes. Like, your brain will tell you that. And it yeah. tells most people that. The first time they really experience bombing, they go, uh, 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 but you have to understand that there's not a single comedian in the world who hasn't bombed, not one. So to have an expectation of that you're going to be almost some, some sort of messiah of comedy, right? I mean, that's not, real, that's not realistic. It won't happen. It's just a part of the process. Failure is, is, is a critical part of business. It's a, f- a critical part of, of pursuing any artistic dream. Do you know what I found um, when I interviewed people for my book, The Comedy Bible, is that um, men seem to deal with that a little better than women. Like, I, I remember talking to, uh, I think it was Larry Miller, and he was going, well, a joke doesn't work. I go like, okay, what word? Should I try this word? Or maybe that word will be better. Huh. I wonder, and there's this enormous amount of curiosity mm. about why the joke didn't work and an investigation into how to make it work rather than a lot of the women. And everyone was like, I suck, uh, listen, bartender. I, I think the only vodka. difference between the man and the woman is the man cries at home in a fetal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's, I can promise you, I can promise you that man is also crying. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you, Preston. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. I, I, I love it. Stay in here. L.A. We're going to do some, some open mics together. Okay? <laughs> I love it. If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com, where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening, and let's find your message and launch your career.